Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes knows the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. Again, we're going to today to examine further what we started last night about familiar spirits. I think it's so important, and, and you know, when God begins to do things, He does it in an order. And I, I know as I look back into, into the 31 years of ministry, and not talking about the, the years that, uh, uh, you know, that I sat under the, sat under ministry for seven years, uh, uh, bless God, that, that all this began to dawn on me that everything works almost in a pattern. And the pattern in which it works in is to bring us from one area to the next area to the next area. And the only way that we can get there is for God to let us, excuse me, go through the fire. So that we begin to do what? Become purified. So we begin to understand what works and what doesn't work. You know, I, I, one of the things when I teach young ministry that, I, that I'm, I'm really, really pound on is don't defile your ministry. There's too many things that you have to fight anyway in the spirit realm from darkness. But when you go out here and and you begin to do things that are outside the Word of God that you know that are outside of the Word of God, and you think that somehow you're getting away from with it, what you're really doing is you're just you're just digging the deep, hole a little bit deeper all the time. So so understand. And I, I'm I'm always talking about integrity within ministry. Be a people of your word. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, do it. You know, as ministry, we're bad about saying, I'll pray about that. Don't you worry. I'll be in prayer about that. And bless God, the next thing we know is we forget to pray or we didn't ever intend to pray or it was just the right thing to say. See, a lot of times we just have the right thing to say, don't we? And uh, and so you have to be careful about that because all these things open the doors to what we've been talking about is familiar spirits. Now, I'm not going to go back through this morning about uh, what is a familiar spirit, but I want you to turn to Luke, the 16th chapter, and we are going to start there. Luke 16, and we're going to start in the 19th verse. Now, what I want to do here through this, of course, this is about the rich man and Lazarus. And most of you, again, know these stories and probably know them well enough to, to stand up and, and uh, verbatim uh, be able to repeat these scriptures. But I want you to follow along with me as we, we go through this because there's some very important things to be said, to, to be understood here. There was a rich man, 19th verse, 16th chapter of Luke. There was a rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and, and fared sumptuously every day. In other words, he was lavishly. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seen Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. 
And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good, thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is conformed, and thou art are comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us but would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send me to my father's house, and I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into the place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father, Abraham, but I, but if I, one went unto the, from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they persuade, be persuaded till one rose from the dead. See, the idea of this thing is to understand there's life and there's death. The walk that we have on this earth is so minimal compared to eternity that it's not even funny. It is really in itself sort of a shame that the 70 short years that were given on this earth is going to be in direct contention as to how we live in eternity, as to the way that we act, the things that we do, and the way that we serve God. But that's the way God set that up. That, that, that's one of His, if you will, laws in which, which He did that. But I think it's very important to understand that no person or thing has the right or the power to do anything with your spirit except God. And that's what that's, that goes back to what Paul said, whether I live or I die, I belong to Him. When your body goes to the, to the grave, your spirit goes where? It goes to be with the Lord or to be with, be with the devil. Those things are, bless God, documented by Scripture. You're going to be recognized, and, and obviously, as we know, and, and you will be recognized when you're even about in your heavenly bodies. You're going to be known as you are. Familiar spirits get familiar by doing what? For being around you, but they cannot—they cannot in any way, shape, or form have anything to do over your eternal life. That is your choice. See, I—I I think that one of the one of the places that we need to come to now. I'm talking about the people that haven't been uh, regenerated, the people that haven't been born again, is to realize that those lives lie in a balance. One of the things that I discovered by traveling the third world and being in the Crusades and the things that I have. Uh, been involved in for all those years was the fact that I was able to reach out. And this is something that, that I just always just praise God about, that I went into areas. I would go into areas that no white man had ever been in. They would come and they would begin to touch my skin. The children come up and they touch, oh, they just turn my hands over and they touch my skin. And they, 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 they'd never seen a white man. They'd never seen, and, and, and they were just they're fascinated by the fact that there was a white man there. And I would go into those areas, and, and, the, and the multitudes of people would come, and the multitudes of people would be saved, and I would leave. And every time I left, the thing that I thought inside of myself, if I hadn't have come, really, if the Lord had not have sent me, those that were saved that day would never have had eternal life, maybe ever had the opportunity to have eternal life. But you see, the fact of it is, that's all within the hands of the Creator. The, the, we give we give the powers of darkness way too much credit. You know, I, I'll never forget the, the night that 
said, uh, I had some people come that had a little old Pentecostal church not far from right here, and it had closed down. They had about 30 people, and at that time, uh, we had this, this room all filled up, and, and they came, and, and they had a van, and they were going to donate the van to the, to the church, and they said that they'd come, and as this one little farm boy said, we've thrown in with you, prophet. And I thought, well, that's nice that they've thrown in with me. And so they all came down and sat in the first two rows. In fact, it was right over here. And then the rows were a little longer, a little wider, and, and two more and more chairs. And there they were. They took up the first two or three rows. And, and anyway, they're there. And, and, and being a Pentecostal you know, group, I thought, well, everything was fine. And it just so happened that that night that a man came up, and, and I never tried to let darkness ever put on a show. You know, darkness loves to put on a show. And I so anytime I ever knew, I would say, listen, you just wait around after service and, and I'll pray with you. You go back and sit down. And all of a sudden, I'm praying for people and I'm getting, uh, I'm about here and right about over here. And this, and this man is standing there and he's got this funny look on his face. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he began to levitate off the floor. And I'm going to tell you something, and I'm standing there, and, and those things, and I've seen a lot of that through the years, well, uh, not a lot, but I've seen quite a few occasions where I've watched beds levitate, I've watched people levitate, and so I, it, it always fascinates me. So I'm standing back amazed at this thing, watching it take place and knowing that it's not going to do anything, and in the first three rows, these people's eyes are going... You know, and, and so, and, and so I cast the, the thing out of them in the name of Yeshua, and the fellow spit blood all over a brand new white shirt that I had on at the time. Well, that really aggravated me because I'm, being Jewish, you don't go out and buy a brand new white shirt every day, all right? And my brand new white shirt now got blood all over it, and this, this clown, you know, uh, but, but anyway, God delivered him, bang on the floor, he went, and he was delivered. As soon as that service was over, then people went out the door and they never came back. And so I said, now I said, I ran into one of them here, just up the street a ways, and I said, why didn't you come back? And said, well, that was the devil. I said, it most certainly was the devil. Uh, well, huh, we're not going to be in a church where those kind of things go on. So that could have jumped off and jumped on us. I said, how come you don't understand the Word? Huh? How come? See, and folks, the problem is, it isn't because the Word isn't available. It's the lack of knowledge that destroys it. And that's what this is all about with what I do. I've had a lot of years of, of some type of knowledge that I'm able to communicate to other people. The fact of it is, when those, those devils come out, those demons come out, the Bible says they go immediately into a dry place, don't they? You ever been in the old Pentecostal church where they got all the kids and the women behind the petition wall when they cast out demons? Has any of them been around enough Pentecostals to know how that all worked? Boy, I can remember well, you know, it's time that we get educated. Amen? It's time, it's time we understand. Now, what I want to do is begin to show you, by illustration in the Bible, about Abraham and Isaac's life and how familiar spirits infiltrated their life. See, none of us have a, a magical shield that comes up that says, oh, I can't, you know, familiar spirits can't infiltrate, okay? Let's, let's go into, uh, uh, first let's look at Romans 4.22. 4.22, and then we'll get down here to... But it's amazing when you begin to... This thing begins to unfold and you begin to realize you're not alone, okay? We, and, you know, we try to hide a lot of that stuff. We, we try to disguise it and, and put makeup on it and everything else. And the truth of it is, uh, familiar spirits are real, okay? 
Now, it says in, in 422 of Romans, it says here, and therefore it was imputed, or it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, we know that Jesus is our righteousness. We know that. The Scripture tells us. We receive his righteousness, what? Simply by believing God. It's, it, it's ours. Now, let's go to the 12th chapter of, of Genesis. So our righteousness comes from God. And we have what? We have walked in. And I think a lot of times we forget that. We forget who we are in the Lord. Let me see if I can get back here. This Bible needs help. But I'm afraid to glue it again because last time I tried to glue it, uh, I got me a new Bible and I ended up... So yes, the 12th chapter, 9th verse. And I ended up putting them back in a closet because everything wasn't in the right place. You know what I mean? I've used this Bible so many... I, I, I go... I literally have wore out three Bibles. And when I tell you you've worn them out, they've been... They have been... This Bible right here has been glued so many times now that it's not funny, okay? But it's just right what I want. It's not quite marked up like the old one was, uh, but it's about the third one I've, I've gone through like this. And, and I just... You know, when you use them, you always tell people that... You, you can always tell people that study the Word of God. You know how? Look at their Bible. If that Bible <laughs> is in real good of shape, they're not using it very much. You don't have to worry about it, okay? But if their Bibles are looking like this, then you can say, hey, somebody must open it up and do something with it, all right? Okay, you, you found 12, and now let's look at the ninth verse in Genesis. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south, and there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near unto Egypt that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. She was a looker. Therefore it shall come to pass that the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it, it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. What's going on here? Abram, Abraham, is asking Sarai, Sarah, to lie. Just, 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 just that way. He said, you, you go ahead and lie. Because he said, they'll kill me. And he said, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to be killed, so you just, this is what I want you to say. Fourteenth verse. And it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians... Uh, the Egyptians uh, beheld the woman that she was very fair, and the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken unto Pharaoh's house. Well, he was right, wasn't he? And he entreated Abram well for her sake, and had sheep and oxen and asses and men servants, maid servants, he asses and camels. And the Lord plagued the Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai. Abram's wife. Now, let me stop there a minute and get you to understand something. There are curses, there are plagues, there are many things when you begin to defile the people of God. A, when God said, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm, He meant that. He meant that. And, and you know, uh, I, I'm still today completely astounded with the fact that people don't have the foggiest idea in this world about everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a judgmental spirit. Everybody knows everything about what everybody else ought to do, right, wrong, and somewhere in between that. And the fact of it is, folks, you've got all that you can handle just worrying about yourself. 
all right, and your family, and not to be worrying about everybody else. Now, now they didn't even know. And you notice they were plagued. They didn't know why they were plagued, but they were plagued. Why? Because they had touched something. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the monarchs, if you will, of of, of the children of God. And and here was Sarai, Sarah, who became later to be known, had been taken, and bless God, even though. Even though, bless God, that we got Abraham in agreement with all this thing, it still got confounded or crossed with God. And when that happens, you're in trouble. And now, now they were in trouble, all right? And, and, and Pharaoh uh, called Abram, okay, and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Because so, they hadn't had plagues before. Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Uh-oh. Why sayest thou she is my sister, so I might have taken her to meet a wife? Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her, and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Pharaoh said, what did what, you, you lie to me? Now wait a minute, folks. One of the commandments, thou shalt not lie. Right? Now let me show you how this thing begins to grow. One of the statements that I have made and I will continually make to people is this simple. If you don't want to live a righteous life for yourself, do it for your children. Because these things called spirits are let down or sent down from generation to generation. You, you, don't have, you don't have any command over them except not to let them infiltrate your life. And if you can do that and will do that, you will save your children and your grandchildren and therefore and therefore a lot of headache. See, a lot of what's going on in the lives that are in this room today are directly connected to your forefathers. Directly connected to them. And if you're not, and if you have never made any, any plan or never understood to the depths of what's going on here and understand it can be stopped. But it can't be stopped if you are wishy-washy. It can't be stopped because you think, well, that's a cute thing to do this weekend because I happen to be here. It, you, you have to make a quality decision to do that. And a quality decision, by the way, is a decision from whence there's no return. That's what a quality decision is. See, a lot of people make decisions, but they don't stay with the decision. I had an old man tell me one time, he said, boy, when you say you're going to quit, that means you're never going to do it again. Now, this guy wasn't in church. It happened to be when I was a boilermaker and I was on the job. And he said, it means never to do it again. If you're really going to quit, he said, "Not very many people really quit anything." Come think about that. Do you, do you realize that once a familiar spirit infiltrates the things that go on, the way that they go on? Now, the reason that that, that this has been recorded, and over in Second Timothy, let's go to Second Timothy, and I probably you want to put a, a marker there if you can, because we're going to come back over into this area here. All right, I think we will here real quickly. But go over to Second Timothy with me, because I want to show you something there about the way that in which this thing begins to, to, to I, if you will, add up. Because when, when God does this stuff, He does everything has a purpose. I mean, He didn't put that in there so we can think that number one that Abraham's a liar. All right, three Timothy. Uh, I'm sorry, Second Timothy three sixteen. It says all Scripture is given but inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction. Well, the church hates that. Reproof, they hate that. For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, God recorded this about Abraham to what? To make us adequate. So we can understand that what God... You see, we get to believe that these old saints in the Bible were holier than thou, and they never did anything wrong. Well, i got news for you, uh, brothers and sisters. It just wasn't the way that it worked out, was it? David, David was an accomplice to murder. Okay? Abraham and Isaac were liars. I'm going to show you where that familiar spirit got passed down. The fact of it is, we are not, we are only righteous because of Him. If we would understand how, again, to use the righteousness, we would be a long way, if you will, down the road. Abraham was what? Number one, he's human. He was a human. He was vulnerable to all the things that you and I are vulnerable to. He didn't want to die. He was smart enough to understand that he was going into Egypt, and he was smart enough to understand that evidently he had one looker for a wife, and he wasn't going to have her very long. So to him, he adds this all up. Now, this is really neat. Let's see. If, if I have her to lie and say that she's my sister, they're going to treat me well, and but do you realize what was about to happen to his wife? By saying that, he was about to be taken in as a wife of Pharaoh. He was giving up his bedroom privilege with his wife and saying it's okay, and she's about to jump in bed with the Pharaoh. And so he figures this out and says, okay, let's see, one and one's two. Two and two could be twelve here if I don't do this, but I'll be dead. So let's see. Here's the plan, Terry, and I want you to go along with this. We'll just tell them you're my sister and, you know, we'll get through this thing somehow and then, you know, we'll be okay and then we'll get out of the country and, you know, everything will go back to the way it was. Now, that's the way he deducted that this thing will work out. See, we do everything we do is through justification. And when you justify the means of which brings you out on the mental side of where you're trying to go, you will do it. That's the reason people steal, rob, murder. Do all the things that happen, that's what they justify it. But when you, this justification, what happens in which we cannot grasp onto because the world that we live in is right here. Flesh and blood. The real world being the supernatural side, we can't understand this thing about familiar spirits coming in and tempting him and him giving away the temptation. What would have been wrong with him saying, I am Abraham. I serve the living God, Yahweh. What would have been wrong with him doing that? Not a thing. You think God's protection would have been there? You bet it would have been there. But you see, the circumstance lent at that point in time with Abraham, he wasn't worrying about being in the first church of the righteous where everybody sang and jumped up and down and fell on the floor last Sunday afternoon. He's now out here facing real life with a real situation and it's going, to, it's going to end up with, with his demise. So he justifies this by saying, Sarah, you're just going to have to go along with this thing. And what old Sarah is, she went along with it. So he was human. He felt like we do sometimes. Amen. When we face the what? The mountains in our lives. And we do the same thing. It, it, sometimes we get in a place and we'll, we'll justify things and we'll, we'll, we'll lie to people. We'll, we'll do things that aren't right. And bless God, somehow we think God's not looking, Right? Well, even the problem of it is, is we're neither give place to the devil. That's what the, that's what the scripture says. 
Neither give place to the devil. And that's what we're doing when we walk into that place, is we're coming to that place and now saying, look, I love the Lord, but this situation would dictate doing it. Now, don't go back and think, well, because Abraham and, and, and Isaac got away with it, I can get away with it. Don't do that, because that won't work either, all right? So, God recorded this story, and, and not to tell what was bad about all this, but was to show us that, 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 blessed, that, that, that we can get ourselves in a place to understand that we are adequate. The Word of God is living. You, you can speak the Word of God. You, I, I, I've been able to speak the Word of God and turn, turn hurricanes, speak the Word of God and turn tornadoes, speak the Word of God and cause, uh, cause droughts and cause the rain, cause floods to come, cause, uh, cause the droughts to come. All manner of things I've been able to do through the years because my adequacy in Him and the anointing that He's put into my, into my life and into my ministry. But the fact of the matter is, we all come to that place. I always say we always come to that real quiet moment when we have to be honest with ourselves. You know what? You know when that when that is, don't you? When we're there and it's quiet, there's nobody really. Either everybody's asleep or you're sitting there by yourself, and all of a sudden you've got to get honest with you. And you've got and inside you're saying, "Okay, I've got this going on. How am I going to solve this?" And most of the time. We use this up here to solve that instead of God's Word. And that's really what Abraham did. He used this. And he decided, well, this is a real situation. This is life and death. And I guess somehow we get to believe in what somehow God's not going to blame us for it. All right? Now, let's go back over in Genesis. I said we would get back there. And let's, let's look at this point in the 20th chapter. The 20th chapter. The third verse. And it says, And the Lord came to Abimelech in a dream by night, and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. And But Abimelech had not come near her, and said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, She is my sister. And now this is back to talking about Abraham again, okay? Now, and says, And she even herself said, He is my brother, he is in, 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 in integrity of my heart and innocent hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffer I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. Uh-oh. And he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live, and thou shalt restore her not. And if thou sure not, know that thou and, and, and thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are, are thine. Now, you, you begin to realize, again, the importance of just not monkeying around with the real prophets. Um, I, one of the things that I, I have said about the, this generation, we not only don't fear God, we don't fear anything else either. And if there's no fear of God in the people or in the land, then there's never going to be a fear, uh, uh, a fear of the prophets that are real, that are sin of God. See, the Bible says that, that, that there's only two places you'll find written about fearing. One's to fear God, another is to fear the prophets, the real prophets. Now, the real prophets, you know, by the fruit that they, they produce. But the reason is behind that is that when you begin to touch the anointing, the investment that God makes from the foundation of the world in people like me is real. 
He's going to get everything out of the investment that he put into this by his anointing. Uh, and, and no shadow of turning, whether you like it or you don't like it or I like it or I don't like it. That's the reason I tell people, you know, the thing to do being around, if you're around prophets is to understand something. Don't touch it. Don't judge it. They are going to stand before God and their lot just like everybody else, and God will definitely take care of them and their day. Don't you get yourself in a bind, because I'm going to tell you something. What did David do? He wouldn't touch it all, would he? And you know what he said? Because he is one of God's anointed. He was smart enough to leave Saul alone. Did Saul need his head cut off? You bet he did. But David was smart enough to know you don't touch the Lord's anointed. Well, uh, that's what was coming up here in all this. And and when you look at it, and you begin to realize, and in and, and that next verse, it, talks, uh, it tells that rose early in the morning, and the verse, and called all these servants, and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. And so, uh, and Bimlach called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And and what have I uh, offended thee? And thou hast brought on, on me and my kingdom a great sin, and hast done these unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet indeed she is my sister. She, she is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And it, be, and it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house, and I said unto her, This is my, my, my kindness which thou hast shown unto me at every place, whether we shall come, say of me, he is my brother. And, and Abimelech took sheep and oxen, men servants, women servants, and women servants, and gave them to Abraham, and, and restored him, Sarah his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleaseth thee. And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, it, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all others. Thus he was reproved. Now, Abraham in this next verse prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. And the Lord had fast closed up all the wounds of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So you see, their sin became the sin of Abimelech and, and all his family. Their sin became that. And that's the point that I want to make with you today about your sin. Now, for all of you that don't have sin, you can leave today, you know, but the rest of us will stay. The fact of it is, you have to realize the consequence of your sin. You have to realize, folks, that this thing goes deeper than just what you want and how you, you know, you, you, you believe that you, that bless God, that, that you can get away with what you want to get away with that it won't affect your family. You know, when we went through the false prophets and false prophecy thing, and by the Word of God, we begin to teach you that, that when somebody prophesies something and it's not from God, then they are cursed because they, they, they have, you know, they said God said something they didn't say and they become cursed. Their families become cursed. And everybody that listens to them becomes cursed. So the whole thing becomes what? A real mess. And that, and that's what, that's where we're trying today to, to get you to begin to understand that bless God that, that it can, and it, and it can, and it does happen to us. Let's go to, let's go to, um, Acts, the fifth chapter. Now, this is something that I, I, you know, I keep saying over and over again. People, 
people jump in because of the way that God uses me and says, well, now God doesn't do that anymore and you ought to be careful about cursing all this stuff and all this going on. I said, how come? I said, let me tell you something. What about Ananias and Sapphira? Fifth chapter, book of Acts. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter uh, said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Now, Satan filled his heart to lie. Okay? Now, how did that happen? Well, it only happened because he gave place. See, he gave place. Do we know right from wrong? Yes, we do. Steve and I were talking. Uh, and, and, and Steve said, you know, he said, I just can't get over how many ignorant people there are. He said, you know, he said, how, how can people make some of the statements that they make? And, and, and they, well, you see, that's the problem with us as people. We get to thinking that we know everything there is to know about every subject there is on the face of this earth. And if you don't believe so, ask somebody. And then we begin to dictate into those things our own wills and our own wishes. And, and, and what happens in that, then we get ourselves, we get ourselves into trouble. Temptation will never not be near you as long as you're on the face of this earth. And that's, that's so important for you to understand. You are going to be tempted. You know, one of the, one of the downfalls of the charismatic movement was if, you know, if you just prayed enough and, 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 and fasted some and gave enough money, and you really came down to usually giving enough money, that, that bless God that you would get yourself in a place where you wouldn't be sick, you'd be rich, okay, you'd never be depressed, there'd be no temptation would be far from you. And you know, again, somewhere in them quiet hours, we had to, we had to reason with ourselves and say, look, this just didn't work. And it didn't work. And it wasn't going to work. Why? Because I said temptation is a viable way in which God chose to understand what's truly in your heart and in my heart. The only way God's got to find out what you're made of and what you really believe is to let you be tempted. Then we hear you. Then we hear loud and clear what you believe. Do you know that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak or talk every time? So the bigger the binds you're in, the louder. Help, help, help you. Now, that same thing uh, maybe a month ago was how spiritual I am. And now it's help, 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 help. Now, it can't be both. Okay? It can't be both. So God's entire system is set up to let you be tempted so that He can see what's in your heart. Whether you be approved or whether you not be approved by His Word is up to you and the way that you have the way you speak it out of your mouth is going to dictate as to what you become and who you're going to be in God in the kingdom of God here on this earth. And you and I are the only ones who can dictate to that. Nobody else can do that. So you know it's the same thing uh, that we talked about somewhat last night. The powers of darkness, bless God, do not have anything uh, anything to to be able to attach themselves to you unless you let them attach themselves to you. All right? Now, um, um, uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 5, 33, one verse here. It says this. Well, there's not a 533 in 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 15. Is that what I said? Don't, just don't do what I say. Just listen up. I'll get there sooner or later. 
15. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. I'm sorry. It says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, that word communications here, actually, the interpretation is companionship. So bad companions will do what? Will, will corrupt good morals. You know, a lot of people believe that many times, you know, you, you choose... You choose your destiny by the company that you keep. And that, and that's, that statement's correct. And if you're not careful, bless God, um, with who you associate is going to be exactly who you will become. Why? Because they are... Now listen again. Faith comes by hearing. Now if you're around somebody all the time that's negative, what are you going to become? You're going to become negative. Why? Because that is being suggested and worse than that being planted because when you hear, see, one of the things that we were taught was, bless God, to be sure that we had crop failures. Or you remember that teaching in the charismatic movement years ago? That you pray for a crop failure because when seeds are planted and they're not of God, they're going to come up and it's going to be a bad crop. Well, praying for a crop failure wasn't the answer. But that's what that was a cute little thing that they did back then, and it got a lot of grins and giggles. A lot of people tried it, and we found out that didn't work either. The problem, again, with the charismatic movement was that God was trying to bring in the teachers. And when God brought the teachers in, what the teachers didn't understand, the revelation knowledge that they were supposed to be bringing was the knowledge and revelation knowledge that the prophets had brought forth. And I realized in the beginning there wasn't uh, that many identifiable prophets, as there seems to be with the hundreds and thousands today, even here in the United States. But nevertheless, that's what they were to be doing, and they got all out of hand, and they got into all this of their own stuff, and then we got to, you know, send me all your money and all your worries are going to be over, and some of us were stupid enough to do it, and our worries didn't end, did they? They just went on. So, we need to understand then that you've got to be careful about the company that you keep. Let's go back over now into, the, into Genesis 26, and um, I should have told you to keep your finger there, and I'm sorry I didn't do that, but in 26, 7th verse, we're going to find out here about Isaac, and how I told you that Abraham lied, and how these things get passed down, and now we're going to find out in 26-7 of Genesis, it says, And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say, for, for he feared to say, She is my wife. Least he said he, The men of the place should kill me for Rebecca because she was fair to look upon. Now, it's just the same thing. Abraham lied. This is Isaac. Isaac lied because they were what? They were influenced by spirits, the same spirits. The spirit that caused Abraham to lie now has got Isaac to lie. Isaac grew up in the in the family, and what happened? Bless God, that familiar spirit came upon him, and, and it began to cause him to lie, only because he gave it place. Why? Because he saw Dad do it. Now, I made a statement last night, and, and uh, probably needs to elaborate on um, a little further, but the fact of it is, this thing is so real that if you find in a family where people lie, you'll find that the next generation of people will lie. If you find in a family where there, there's, uh, you see, uh, diabetes is a familiar spirit. Uh, epilepsy is a spirit. It's a familiar spirit. And, and those spirits can be, with a strong enough anointing, can be eliminated, by the way. But they have to be cast out. Now, people think, no, they need to be healed. No, they need to be delivered. See, there's a big difference in the way that these things are looked at. And, and, and through the years of God teaching me, I have been able to understand the difference in these things. One night a man was in service, and I think, Janelle, you were probably here 
uh, when uh, this brother came up that had been delivered, was a high satanic priest, and he came in, and he, he was all, he sat right over there about where you're at, and, and so he come in, and here he come in like this. Now, this guy had been delivered, satanic high priest. I watched God deliver him, and here he come in, and he could hardly walk, and his body was all twisted, and his mouth was all twisted. He went over there, and he sat down, and he sat down, and I got up there in the pole room, and I said, well, folks, before we start tonight, we're going to have a, have a, a lesson. I said, there's not anything better than a, a, a object lesson that you can see and you can understand. I said, brother, come on up here. And he got up and it took him forever. He brought himself up here and here he came. He got up there and I said, now, you would think by looking at him, he needs to be healed. But I said, he doesn't need to be healed. I said, he needs to be delivered. And I said, I want to show you the difference tonight. So anyway, before I laid my hands upon him, I, I called him the name and I said, you monkeyed with the tarot cards again, didn't you? He said, yes, I did. I said, and that's what brought this upon you. You understand that? Yes, he did. Well, the fact of it is, I cast it out in the name of Yeshua. He fell upon the floor like a ton of bricks, like he was dead right there. And about 10 to 15 minutes, he got up, walked right back over, and he sat down. Familiar spirits. Okay. The, the, see, a lot of the church is trying to pray things that they don't understand. The, the, the thing that probably, I'm going to be as kind about this as I can be, um, aggravates me, that is a kind word, uh, as much as anything, is people trying to think they know what people need. Now, folks, if you can't see into that other world, leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Don't be jumping out here, and I want to tell you something. I'd like to slap about 90% of the people I've ever been around that think they're deliverance ministry. They don't know about ministry that has to work over in the supernatural world. And that's re you know that's the reason I tell the story about the man that used to be in the ministry and uh, with us, and he came in and he stayed all about three months and come and told me he was now ready to begin his own ministry, and he left, and I said, well, goodbye. And a few months went by, and one of the elders came in and said, what did you hear about brother such and such? And I said, no. I said, I haven't. said, well, you know, he started his own church and got five or six people. And, and uh, last night he went down to uh, this gal's house to pray for her husband that needed to be delivered and cast the demon out of him. And he left and the guy got up and took his 12-gauge shotgun, loaded up and went next door and blew the head completely off of his next door neighbor. Now, was he delivered? No, he wasn't delivered. What he was was stirred up. He just prayed enough to stir that stinking demon or demons up. And that, those, that demon or demons then took over and absolutely murdered the next door neighbor. Now what's that about? That's called stupidity. That's about people trying to do the same thing, trying to be prophets when they're not prophets. And again, I don't know what in this world would cause any man, woman or child, to bless God to believe that they wanted to ever be a prophet. I, I just don't understand. I think you need help. You understand what I'm telling you? I think you need help if you're sitting there today. Oh, I want to be, you know, I want to be a prophet. I want to be a prophetess. No, you don't. You just think you do. Well, but I'm going to tell you, God's got a way of eliminating most of you. And the way most of you get eliminated is what I'm teaching on this weekend. When the, when, when the, when the fire comes, it gets hot enough that most of you just tuck tail and run and get off in that little corner and hide and become that secret, whatever that is, you've been most of your life and never fulfill the calling in your life because you won't come through the fire. You're not going to get there unless you come through the fire. That is your decision. You can either come through it, you can back up, you can back off, or you can quit. 
That's up to you. As I said last night, at the place most of you are right now, today sitting there, you're not a cockeyed bit of good to God anyway, so what makes the difference whether you complete it or not? You can't do anything for Him now. If you don't go on through it, you never will do anything for Him. So that decision's up to you to make, not me. And I think that that's one of the things that people dislike about me probably in a, in a very uh, uh, earnest way is the fact that, that I, you know, I keep saying over and over again, don't be bothering me. I didn't, I didn't take you in to raise you. I didn't take you in to clean your, your dirty diapers up and slap a bottle in your mouth. I'm a prophet of God. I'm sent to the nation. And why in this world that God's got me in this room today, I don't even know, but I'm here. Am I happy about it? Not really, but I'm here because this is what I know God wants me to do. So be happy that I'm here. Okay, just be happy. We're all happy, right? People say, how do you ever get invited to come and listen? I don't know. You know, I, I, you know, like I said, I don't, I'm not particularly a people person, and, and I'm trying to be all that, and I, you know, I want to sit down and talk to all of you, and, and, you know, there's the other side of me going, grow up. You know, grow up. I'm tired of hearing. I'm, I, I, I don't, don't go through that. I heard that story last time. Let's don't go through that one again. If you all know something, somehow that's what God's got me doing. I know, right? And somehow I'm going to learn to enjoy it. You know, I may even love it before it's over, but it's very difficult for me to see where the church is at in relationship to where the church should be. The church as a whole most of me delivered, by the way. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. All the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible. Shemalah, <laughs> 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 <laughs>